Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Dustin Hawkinsmith and Johnny McGonigal. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Blue White Breakdown. Bi-week edition, Penn State coming off a 17-7 win over Northwestern. 5-0, and Johnny McGonigal. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. And all's good in Nittany Nation, right? 5-0 and is 5-0. and They're inside the top 10. But I don't think a lot of fans are really viewing it that way. And it's an interesting position. You know, if you would have offered up 5-0 and to any Penn State fan, they would have loved it at the beginning of the year. But there are some reasons to, to look at this team and, you know, and, and have some concerns as you go into the tougher part of the schedule. So we're going to get into that. Uh, Johnny, let me let me just first ask you just as you as you as the dust settles on Northwestern, following up on that Central Michigan win, both of them kind of revealed, uh, I don't know, I mean, just some things to work on. What'd you think about Northwestern and and the way that Penn State played in that one and specifically the fumble problem? I mean, if you don't put the ball on the turf as many times as they did, it's not a 17-7 win. And I also felt like it was uncharacteristic. What do you think of the, about the whole contest there? Yeah, Dustin, look, I mean, you mentioned 5-0 and is 5-0, and right? And if uh, if Penn State fans were offered that uh, before the season, going into the bye week, going to this Michigan game, still unbeaten, they would take it. No questions asked. Uh, but after the Auburn win and how emphatic that was, you know, winning down there at Jordan-Hare Stadium, 41-12, to I mean, it was a blowout, and it could have been worse than that, too. You go into the Central Michigan and Northwestern games, and Penn State fans are thinking, okay, well, these two, like, they're wins, and let's just look good, stay healthy going into the Michigan game. And they stayed relatively healthy, but they didn't look particularly good. I mean, the Central Michigan game was a 19-point win, uh, but that was, what, 21-14 at one point uh, going into halftime, you know, not a little more uneasy than you would have liked it to be. And then the Northwestern game, I really do, you know, look, the rain had a factor. It was coming down. I was very blessed and thankful to be in the press box. I know so many people that were in the stands and, uh, they were trying to text me, but they were texting me like, you know, words all messed up because the water was getting on their phones and it was just a whole thing. So they were having it out there. Penn State players were, you know, it's tough to deal with in those conditions, especially if you're a freshman running back uh, and you fumble, you know, once or twice. And now you have that on your ledger, Nick Singleton with a couple, Katron Allen, who came in the second half, fumbled. And so did, uh, you know, Kevon Lee. I, I don't know. It, it's, it really is kind of hard to look at that Northwestern game and take too many positives out of it, but it's also every every negative you could, you know, in theory, couch it with the weather and, and what was going on there. So uh, I think the biggest thing is they're undefeated and they're healthy going into this Michigan game. 
And you're not going to have that driving rain at all, on and again, off again rain, which I know Sean Clifford said was a problem is that you, you know, the, the conditions were shifting around. It was hard to really gear up for that. Well, with that in mind, I do want to look at as they're going into the bye week, good time to, for a quick reset. I want to put you in the shoes of the Penn State coaching staff. Starting on offense, what do you think as you're self-scouting are things that they need to work on going into the, the Michigan game? Yeah, I think, you know, we just talked about the ball security. That, that's going to be the number one thing that they focus on, at least from a running game standpoint, is making sure you're covering the ball up with two hands, you know, especially in uh, in rough conditions. But I think that's something that, you know, you, you hope to be is, you know, is a one off, uh, especially for you know, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, two true freshmen for their first collegiate fumbles and those bad experiences getting put in the doghouse in Singleton's case. Uh, and you know, Kevon Lee's case, you hope those guys learn from that and, and move on. And uh, it's not a recurring issue; hadn't been an issue up to, up until this point. The rest of the offense is really just comes down to Sean Clifford. Uh, it comes down to his on, on his shoulders and the decisions that he's making and, and the field that he's seeing and, and what he's deciding to do. Uh, because there were a few really bad throws, weather be damned, on you know against Northwestern. The interception was just uh, it was kind of a prayer. Uh, it was another near interception where. Uh, Lewis, the Northwestern uh, defensive back, the ball just went right through his hands and uh, Clifford didn't look him off at all. He was sitting there in between a flat route and Parker Washington behind him. And, you know, Sean, I'm no quarterback, but Sean needed to look off that guy uh, and, and force him to come down to the flat before throwing to Parker. And he didn't do that. And then there was another one where he just missed Parker Washington point blank in the fourth quarter. And so those are the kinds of throws that and I've written this a lot that over the last two weeks. You can get away with against Central Michigan or against Northwestern. You can you can afford to make those mistakes against inferior teams that you're more talented than and will ultimately win. You can't do that against Michigan. You can't do that against Ohio State. And you can't really do that against Minnesota either, even though the Gophers uh, lost their undefeated record against Purdue. So I think it really comes down to Sean Clifford you know, looking in the mirror, making better decisions. Um, maybe it comes down to Mike Yersich you know, using a little bit more play action, getting in some easier access throws, getting him to a rhythm earlier in the game. but. Yeah, Clifford, and particularly his down, uh, his deep ball has not been there this season, and uh, that's something they got they got to correct. It's tough for you know a six year senior to go into a bye weekend for everything to be fixed because uh, you kind of think he is what he is at this point, but uh, they got to make some improvements there. And I think him being who he is, is is why you know another reason why I think some Penn State fans are feeling a little bit uncomfortable. You know, when he doesn't throw it in rhythm. And sometimes whether that's rolling out, sometimes a lot of times, probably too often, that means he's pedaling backwards and throwing off his back foot. You know, the the bottom line is he's just not all that athletic and his arm strength's just not elite. And sometimes I think like the aggression doesn't really match the physical tools. And it's like he's year four as a starter. He's year six. I mean, he is who he is at this point. You just hope he can be the best version of himself and not put himself in those sticky situations. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think we've seen some really good Sean Clifford, but to your point, I mean, that stuff's just not going to fly. And then you think about passing windows closing faster now with more talented defenses. You think about pressure getting there quicker. You know, I, I, th- I think coaching might be a little bit better against these better teams. I mean, the, the, the challenge is there. And I think, obviously, Sean Clifford, I think the weapons around him are beyond adequate. You think about what they've got at, at, at the skill positions and at running back, fumbles aside, you know, it, it is on his shoulders. What do you think about what do you think about the off, offensive line then as well to kind of piggyback off of that? 
you know, I feel like there just haven't been a whole lot of issues. And I don't think Sean Clifford's been sacked in a while. The one sack they gave up to Central Michigan was on Drew Aller late. So I think uh, that group, um, I haven't really seen the right tackle be a glaring problem in a, in a couple of weeks, but they better be on their game here coming up against Michigan. Yeah, I was going to say earlier in the season, we saw Caden Wallace give up a couple of sacks at right tackle and uh, you, you started to have some questions there, but uh, that seems to be cleaned up a little bit. They also use Bryce Efner a little bit, whether that's as a six lineman on uh, bigger you know packages or you know rotating him in. I've been really impressed with the left side of the line specifically. Olu Fashanu has just been a revelation. I mean, he's been a marvel uh, on Clifford's blind side. You know, his first full season as a starter, already getting you know NFL draft buzz from some people in that community. You know, they just look at his size, his feet, his quickness. Uh, and I just think he's just a he's a difficult guy to get around for DNs and and uh, smaller you know DBs or linebackers that are blitzing. So I think Fashanu has done a really nice job. Landon Tengwall uh, seems to have locked up that left guard position. He had been rotating, not crazy, but you know there there have been guys you know filtering in with Hunter Norzad uh, and JB Nelson, but that wasn't the case against Northwestern. That was Landon Tengwall's position, and I think he's done a fine job there. And Juice Scruggs as well at center. So I think that middle to left side of the offensive line has done a good enough job, uh, you know, not just in pass protection, but opening up holes. You know, it wasn't on them uh, that there were four lost fumbles against Northwestern. I mean, they were creating uh, enough space for Singleton and Allen and, and Lee to run through. So I think they've done a nice job both in pass pro and uh, in run blocking. So that was the biggest question mark, I think, entering the season. Aside from what can Sean Clifford do for you uh, in his final season was the offensive line and, and the linebackers, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, the offensive line, I think, has answered the, the questions that have been asked of them through five weeks, and I think they're in a solid space going into this Michigan game. Yeah, let, let's flip sides there to, to the defense. It's hard to think about this in terms of, like, what do you fix? But what, do you, what are you looking at here from a group that I think has proven that I think they can play with anybody? I think Manny Diaz and, and the way that he's approached coordinating the, this defense has been a breath of fresh air for a lot of people, too, with the aggression and, and the creativity uh, it always helps, though, when you've got four or five cornerbacks who are really sticky one-on-one. And I think that's helped tremendously to kind of, I don't think there's a lot of glaring deficiencies here. You mentioned linebacker, which I'll let you touch on, but allows you to be more creative and take some more risks because you've got guys who can lock up opposing wide receivers. Yeah, I don't think there's really, you mentioned, I don't think there's any glaring deficiencies on this defense. Uh, linebacker was the question coming into the season. And Abdul Carter has been, you know, as advertised, and even better than that. I've got a story coming out on him. Uh, you know, went to his uh, high school, talked to his coach, his former teammates, and they're all telling me they were not surprised at all to see him out there making plays at Auburn and and what he was able to accomplish. And so far as a true freshman, so he's been playing really well. Even guys like you know Tyler Ellison has been playing, uh, you know, good football. You know, Kobe King getting in there, middle linebacker as well. Curtis Jacobs playing in an All Big Ten. Uh, level going into that Northwestern game. And so I think you've seen enough from the linebackers to be satisfied. I think you've seen enough from the front four to be satisfied. I mean, that was a PJ Mustafer Hakeem Beeman game against the Wildcats. Prior to that, it was, you know, Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac getting after it, you know, at the tail end of the Purdue game and the Auburn game. And then the secondary has just been, you know, incredible. I mean, Joey Porter Jr., uh, one of the best corners in the country, but it's not just him. It's Kalen King. It's you know, Johnny Dixon, uh, Marquise Wilson, and Jair Brown is all over the ball, same as Zaki Wheatley and Keaton Ellis and Jalen Reed at safety. I mean, you got four safeties you can rely on 
uh, in that back end. And so I'm just looking to see what they do against higher competition because you know, Purdue you know, came out and tested the secondary right away, and Aiden O'Connell's a good quarterback. That aside, though, Auburn's offense is really one-dimensional, and they went away from the running game quickly. T.J. Finley you know, is not a guy that's going to really test you. Uh, Ohio and Northwestern and Central Michigan are not offenses that are really going to test you. I'm interested to see what Michigan throws at them. And, and then look, that, that game against Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jake, with every weapon that they have, Ryan Day's offense, that's the game I'm really looking forward to, to seeing Joey Porter Jr. and this secondary go up against what the Buckeyes got. How different those challenges are looking at Ohio State and Michigan. Like Ohio State can beat you on the ground, and I think they've shown that. But also, if you're gonna if you're gonna put big bodies on the field, if you're gonna have Tyler Elston on on the field for three downs, I mean, they could put you in conflict and make you cover the whole field. And then you're looking at Michigan. I really feel like Michigan and their bread and butter and what they're gonna want to try to do is try to force Penn State to match their will in the run game. They're gonna get big. They're gonna come downhill. They're gonna try to just pound and pound and pound and see if they hold up to that. And so I think what you're doing with your linebackers and your personnel and how you're defending is just two totally different ball games. Uh, and then not to mention, I mean, this the secret in college football, not much of a secret, is that, you know, there's just not many quarterbacks who are going to be able to single-handedly beat you. And C.J. Stroud is, is one of them. I don't know about yet about J.J. McCarthy and, and that Michigan offense, but I know that C.J. Stroud is a guy capable of delivering the ball in places that few others can. So they've been able to get away with some things. I mean, their coverage has been outstanding, but when you got a guy who can make small window throws, you got a guy who can make NFL throws, it's going to put this defense to the test, you know, those two teams in multiple ways here in the next few weeks. And I'm excited to see if they can rise to those challenges. Yeah. And with Michigan specifically, that front seven is going to be tested. And I do think that they've stood out to the test that they've had so far. Auburn being the biggest one that we said that, you know, going into that game, that tank Bigsby and, you know, what the quarterbacks can do running the ball and that offensive line that's a senior-laden offensive line down in Auburn that, hey, are, are they going to be able to stop this run if Auburn just straps it up and goes right at them? And, and they did. Uh, you know, they, they did stop. You know, they, they held Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bigsby to really nothing. I mean, you know, there were a couple of big plays there, Bigsby catching one and going towards the end of the first half. But I was really impressed with what the front seven did against Auburn, but I think Michigan is a little bit of a different uh, animal when it comes to that and that mentality. Blake Quorum is one of the best tailbacks in the country, uh, especially when he gets going out in space. And so, you know, that's going to be the test. That's going to be, it's going to be a front seven test against Michigan. It's going to be a back end test against Ohio State. Minnesota does a little bit of both. They're not on the level of Michigan or, or Ohio State in either category, but they like to mix it up a little bit. So, I do think it's nice that Penn State has the Michigan, excuse me, the Minnesota and Ohio State games at home, uh, be able to feed off of that that atmosphere. I'm looking forward to being at the Big House. Uh, you know, this is a bye week. You know, it is nice to just kind of kick, not not totally kick back because we've got plenty of stuff coming, uh, content wise. But uh, it is nice to kick back and just watch some football on Saturday. But I, I will be looking forward to uh, to get into Ann Arbor the following week. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. You say kicking back. Nobody's really kicking back. The coaching staff also not kicking back. These, these are busy times, and I think the James Franklin helicopter is going to be in full force trying to get around to as many 
current guys who maybe they haven't been able to check in with them, you know, since the summer. And then maybe try to check in with some priority kind of targets. Like the recruit, this this open window is for self-scouting and I think to get some reps behind the scenes for some of the guys further down the depth chart. But the coaching staff is going to be on the move, I assume, uh, all weekend long. Yeah, and, and even during the week because – so we normally have, you know, post-practice availability uh, on Wednesdays uh, with James Franklin. And that schedule got moved this week to Tuesday – uh, because he'll be on the road recruiting on Wednesday. So, yeah, this is a big time uh, for not just James, but the rest of his staff. It's an opportunity for them to get out and see guys that are either committed to the class, uh, and that's just not 2023, uh, but guys that they're, they're looking at in 2024. And they had, they had a handful of visitors uh, over the weekend for the Northwestern game, you know, three PA guys who were committed to your 2023 class, but also a handful of guys in the 24 cycle that have offers that are considering Penn State. Uh, and so it'll be nice to get out there and and look. That's what that's what the helicopters for, right, Dustin? You know, we we saw uh, the Friday before the Northwestern game, he was visiting guys throughout PA. And uh, I don't know if you're a Succession fan at all, but I got some serious, you know, uh, you know, Logan Roy walking off the helicopter vibes, you know, from James Franklin. Just all right, like let's let's you know, get this business done, and uh, he's gonna be doing that for years. But uh, yeah, he's gonna be racking up the miles on the helicopter. But uh, that's that's what it's used for, right? Like you can send a statement as a coach, like that, those vibes you're talking about when, when a chopper pulls up and everybody notices, and that's probably part of it. But at the same time, I mean, you think about how much more he can get done. And I, so I think about it less as like a flash thing and more of just ultimate efficiency, which I think is James Franklin dreams about ultimate efficiency. So I think being able to kill a lot of birds with one stone or maybe one helicopter in this case Using that using that chopper to get around, I, I don't I don't I don't really feel like it's like uh, um, showboat and, or anything. I really think James Franklin's like, let's get as much done as we can. I don't know. I think there's a I think there's an element of showboat to it, and, and everything is there's a flashiness with recruiting. I mean, when you land a helicopter in a field somewhere, and a, and a recruit sees that, and you got your classmates talking about it, you know, throughout homeroom and throughout you know third period, you're know, like, oh, this guy flying in on a helicopter. That word spreads around a high school and. You know, I don't know. I think I think that plays a little bit of a part of it. But you're you're right, James Franklin, the ultimate manager of of things, the ultimate CEO, the, the guy who does not like to waste a minute. I mean, that, the helicopter has to save him some time, and and I'm sure he's not a guy that likes to get stuck in traffic. So hey, as long as Penn State's willing to pay for it, I don't blame him. Do you think it means more when James Franklin stepped out of a helicopter, or maybe like how about like a Chevy Malibu pulling up to the front of the school? I mean, that's gorgeous too, Johnny. I, th- I think a helicopter probably <laughs> <laughs> over, over the Malibu. All right. Fair enough. Um, I wanted to ask you this quickly too. Um, running backs, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, you lose Kaziah Holmes and you go from five to four, you go from this embarrassment of riches to just like, you know, in a pretty good spot. And now Devin Ford uh, opts to step away from football to focus on academics, assuming that sets the stage for him to probably graduate and take another swing someplace else as, as a transfer but now you're down to three guys and, you know, you're an injury away. I put it this way earlier. You're an injury away from Tank Smith having a meaningful role in this offense. I mean, the, the three that they have are, are, you know, talented and reliable. But, you know, you are kind of uh, pushing it a little bit with, with your depth. And then, you know, I want to look at this from a recruiting angle, too, where, yeah, you have one guy committed in the class of 23 and he had a major knee uh, injury and he's missing his senior year. 
what are we looking at now as far as like running back recruiting, transfer portal? Do you feel like the the approach changes in terms of you know the quantity that they're looking for as a re- result of these developments? Yeah, it's interesting. So I was sitting in the press box, you know, what was it, the second, maybe second or third quarter of that Northwestern game. And I saw Wendell Davis, who's a linebacker for Northwestern, uh, make a play. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Wendell Davis. Like he played at Pitt uh, when I was covering them, but he entered the portal uh, after four games last season because he didn't want to burn his redshirt. He, he was like, you know, I didn't want to play a fifth game. And, you know, to be able to transfer somewhere else, he wanted that year of eligibility. And then a couple hours later, we find out, okay, Devin Ford is stepping away from the team for, Academics that that could be the case, you know. I'm I'm not, you know, I haven't talked to him personally, so I don't want to, you know, assume anything. But maybe he didn't want to play in a fifth game and didn't want to, you know, burn a red shirt to be able to move elsewhere after graduating. I would totally understand that. Uh, it does come at a, at a loss for you know Penn State's running back room. You know, you do still have your top three backs and Devin Ford. You know, he made a couple of plays and he provided, uh, you know, some some insurance there. You know, some veteran leadership. I know that he was rooming with Nick Singleton and, you know, trying to take him under his wing a little bit on the road. And that stuff's valuable for sure. But you still have Nick Singleton, you still have Katron Allen uh, and the impact that those two guys have made through five games. You know, I think that I think they've both been as advertised. I think if anything, Nick Singleton, you know, a little bit more pub coming into the season. And he showed that against Ohio and Auburn. But I've been really impressed with Katron Allen, just the way that he runs and uh, his streak of uh, runs without a tackle for loss came to an end at 48 uh, on Saturday against Northwestern. Still a pretty good run there. And so I think those two guys, plus Kevon Lee as well, the, the depth is not what you want it to be necessarily with Tank Smith being your fourth guy. But I think the rotation, you know, again, they're using these guys and rotating these three guys so much that you hope that that limits the number of hits and, and the injuries that could possibly pop up. And uh, looking ahead a little bit, I was able to talk to London Montgomery, uh, the 2023 uh, commit for Penn State uh, at, at running back uh, from Scranton Prep. And uh, look, he had successful surgery last week on his uh, torn ACL that he picked up uh, in a preseason scrimmage. He's bummed to be missing his senior year. He's not sure if he's going to be enrolling in January or the summer, just based on uh, you know Scranton Prep, you know private school, like what they allow him. Uh, to do and how his rehab is going, but he's excited to, you know, to still sign with Penn state and he hopes to, you know, get healthy in time to be able to make an impact uh, next season. Do they add another guy to that 23 class? Uh, Maybe. Do they go and look in the portal? Absolutely. I mean, they're always looking in the portal, you know, regardless of position, right. They're always just trying to get better and, uh, and see if there's anyone out there that can help them win a game or two. And uh, that's going to be the case. So yeah, I think you add a couple more guys regardless, but I think right now, I think they're pretty set with what they've got. Not to be too speculative, but Kevon Lee sees his role shrink from the past two years. Probably not what he wants it to be with those two guys, and you can't really blame the coaching staff. Um, I think fumbles aside, I thought Nick Singleton looked as good as he's looked all year between the tackles uh, in this one, and Katron Allen just kept doing what he was doing. They look pretty good outside of putting the ball on the turf, which I know is, which I know is a big caveat there. One last thing I just wanted to kind of give you, we we talked about this briefly. I think it was last week or maybe the week before. And I asked just about your concern level when it came to the deep passing game. And so what you did this past week, you looked through Pro Football Focus, which, you know, this is a really good tool. And you were able to put some some stats to what those struggles are. And I'll let you share what those stats are if you have them in front of you. You know, I, I think for me, it just kind of comes back to what's fixable about this and what's not. 
Yeah. So look, you're reading off stats on a podcast might be riveting. I will try to make this as you know straightforward as possible. Basically, Sean Clifford in the deep passing game just has not been there for Penn State this year. Pro Football Focus classifies a deep pass as one that travels 20 yards or more. Clifford has attempted 17 deep passes this year. He's completed only three of them. That's the worst completion percentage at 17.6%, worst completion rate among quarterbacks with at least 15 deep ball attempts. And Sean Clifford has attempted 137 total passes. Uh, so his deep pass attempt rate, in terms of how many times he throwing the ball downfield, uh, is 81st in the country at just over 12%. So essentially, he's not taking a lot of deep shots, but when he does, they're not working. Uh, now, is that you know an alligator arm here, to, you know here or there from a wide receiver? Yeah. Is it him underthrowing or overthrowing a guy? Yeah. I mean, there was a missed opportunity in the Northwestern game. He has hit a couple of again. He's hit three uh, of these long passes. I remember the one at Auburn was a you know, kind of a tone setter, bouncing back from that big hit. It was a big play. He had one against Northwestern as well, getting the ball downfield. But it just hasn't been his forte this year, and. You know, that's concerning when you're facing these kind of defenses. And again, the, the weather on Saturday, I think, plays a little bit of a factor in that. When you're playing Michigan, and if you're playing from behind as well, you need to stretch the ball downfield. You have to at least take those opportunities. And that falls on Clifford. That falls on Mike Yersich as well, uh, because I think you have the, the weapons that you want. I mean, Mitchell Tinsley isn't a burner, but he's got enough separation, enough ball skills on contested catches that if you give him a chance – He'll go up and get it. I think Parker Washington runs good enough routes to get behind defenses to, you know, to stretch the field for you as well. So when you're playing a good defense like Michigan and even the improved defense of Ohio State and you're playing offenses that can score, especially in Ohio State's standpoint, you're going to have to take these shots downfield. And I think that's one area that obviously is going to be a focus during the bye week, but it's going to be a focus during this uh, three game stretch here in October. And I think to put a bow on that, the cover zero defense that James Franklin kind of griped about that they weren't able to exploit against Central Michigan, I would expect to see plenty more of that until you see that three out of 17 connection on deep passes start to shift a little bit. Defenses are going to challenge Penn State in this regard. So now Sean Clifford has to come out of the bye ready to meet that challenge. All right, that's Johnny McGonigal here on the Blue White Breakdown. Remember, check us out on all Blue White Breakdown podcasts everywhere you can find uh, podcasts. As always, you can check out everything else we do at penlive.com slash Football. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time here on the Blue White Breakdown. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>